Morning, Mr. Boer. Good morning, Mr. Sheckman. How are you doing? Ah, very good, and you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good. Ooh, look at that. I <laughs> know, right? Oh, they look delicious. Well, you, no, no, but you can't. Don't, don't touch it. No, no, you can't do that. J- just stop, okay? Just stop. Is this a... Uh, it looks like it's toast mixed up with honey. Are these little yummy toast balls, Mr. Sheckman? No! Jeremy's branching into DIY emergencies that occur at breakfast. Uh, oh, I see. So, uh, w- w- what do we have here then? Well, this is for the very common your yacht has a leak scenario, as it always does tend to happen for most breakfasts. Uh, you start by crumbling up some of the dry toast into chunks. You then mix in some hot milk glue and mix. Before the mixture cools, you shove the mix into the hole in your yacht and let it cool down. The hole is then fixed. This is the use of toast number one. Special. This is Zion Shakashek and Michael Burr. I was watching a video the other day because, you know, YouTube. How hooves to... Model. You stopped reading, Mr. Sheckman. No, I still read. I, I still read. I, I still okay. read. I just, I just, I've been in fiction these days. I haven't Fine, touched yes. anything non-fiction for a while. Um, but it was someone doing a very quick video on with train tracks in England... What happens or how do you detect if there's been debris that collapses onto it? Oh, we're not talking leaves or anything. We're talking no, about no, fence rocks. falls down, rocks or... A, rocks, boulders and things like that. Things that if a train hits it, it's not good. Serious, fine, uh, fine, Yes, fine, yeah, yeah. a leaf on your train track, if that derails your train, you've got bigger problems. Yes. And of all the various different styles that I think students could come up with... or How, I could how does a rock with, get onto the train track? Is this naughty kids? No, they're sort of like on the hillside. Oh, on the hillside. Hill you know, that, that sort of thing. I know, I've been guilty of putting the odd teaspoon on a train track <laughs> and then hiding in the bushes and then you collect this awesome piece of... It's a blacksmithing the lazy way. Yes. Fine. Or well, anyway, boulders, yes. all it is, it's something that's been around apparently for the last, I think, 100 odd years, where it's basically... Isn't the old farmer's trick where you tap a fence and listen? Effectively, it's okay. almost that, where you just have a whole bunch of guy cables and things that go through, and the moment a rock hits it, it triggers that off, almost like a bear oh, trap so or like an animal alarm. trap. It's effectively an alarm. Train will then see it, 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 well, it sets off a signal, train sees it, driver comes to a stop, and then people go and check it out and, and see what's happened. What do you do if that failed? Because I, I was going along the thing where, um, with... I mean, I know that with um, in, in hot weather countries, so maybe, that, well, it does apply to England because England mm. does go from very cold to quite hot in yes. summer. You have to leave the expansion gaps. But the thing is, the train tracks are still connected to each other. They can just expand a little. Yes. I thought you could do something where you sort of, um, you know, bang the track and you could pick up some form of thing. And if there was something on it, you might be able to detect it. But I guess inertias are against you because the total tonnage of railway track over a kilometer versus the little tiny boulder which will destroy the train you're not going to pick it up so now and then and then how does a train not set off your alarm system yeah Uh, that's true as well um what did you do if the thing failed i mean well is there i mean no it it is sort of it um that trains still have something on the front i mean i know the big uh big american trains in the middle of nowhere still have those good old-fashioned cattle things on the front could you do that to bang a rock i mean i think you could I think this was it was more marveling at the idea that it is that there's no electronics in it. It's completely, in some ways, outdated. But it's there like are no better solutions. A good old-fashioned nature snare. It, you it, just exactly. visually see if it's been treated. And or not. the thing is that they've tried apparently to go look at more advanced systems and cameras with AI detection to track movement of rocks and things like that. I know there was one. I think it's 
I think it's Austria or some, somewhere there, and it's on certain roads, and what they do is they track the movement of rocks, and if yeah. the camera detects it, then it'll stop that, it'll close that road oh, So off. basically you just sit and stare and watch, and if you notice motion, it, it triggers yeah, it. Yeah, there. Fine. But this, the reason those aren't all applicable in the middle of nowhere is, right, you need a power source to you it. You need a power source, yeah. Um, and solar is not always the, the greatest guarantee no. in England, because, well, it's... Also Austria, you've got... Oh, bad that, weather and that fog too and all as that well. stuff. So visual um, stuff is interesting. So it's... What about acoustics? I mean, here, here's my worry. Mm. I've stood next to a couple of trains go by, and the thing is, well, even the clippity-clop, you do feel it in the ground. So, for example, if mm -hmm. you were blind and deaf and had didn't feel the wind, yeah. you'd be able to feel through the ground that a train has come past. You can't feel it from very far, but you can feel when it's right there because it does... Yeah. Make, I mean, the ground is uh, somewhat spongy. Um so the, the chances are that rock, if it is going to come down, is going to come down just after the trains come past because that's when it's been sort of excited. Or Could during you, a storm. Or during a storm. And then, and then here's the thing. I don't think acoustics would work because the thing that causes... The rocks is not going to fall down at 9 o'clock on a quiet Sunday all by itself. It will, it will be the sun hits it and starts to warm it up and because of the night ice and now the exactly. floor, now it comes yeah. down or else there's a little tiny earthquake or something mm. so acoustics yeah so i think visual stuff hmm. yeah it's the solution and you know the video still concludes no one's come up with a better idea no one's <sighs> and a feasible one because it's in the middle of nowhere it's in the middle of the countryside off in some ravine or valley area where no one else is nearby yeah so you want something that just keeps working um there are faults to it 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 does require relatively um, regular maintenance. Yes. Um, to make sure the tape And obviously these are in tricky terrain, so you're dealing with things where... Yeah. Th that's going to be a classic student one, is the, they're going to listen to this and think, ooh, the mountains of Scotland with train tracks. Yeah. Let's design a machine that can go and do this because we need to automate or, it. Exactly. And, autonomous, it needs, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, you either need to be someone who's actually got some form of fitness and hiking skills and also know what you're doing yeah because um if you are going along a rock face you do kind of need to uh practice a little bit you need to know what you can and cannot stop on it's a bit like boulder hopping across a river it's very easy when someone who knows what they do whereas you first time around you're just going to get wet because you pick a rock which is uh, With the, the wrong kind of rock exactly and it rotates. Yeah. um and and you kind of need the sort of skills of a blimmin mountain goat to be able to go and, and do this okay so that's an interesting one yeah um what do we I, yeah. I know, just to finish that one off, mm. in countries where there's snow, lots of people think, ah, oh, trains can just boulder through snow. One of my favorite <laughs> YouTube clips to watch are those ones where it's like in northern Canada and they just have these trains that just go forth. Do you know that the trains only go fast when it's dead level? And that's because lots of things get trapped in snow when it moves down mountains. So if you're on a mountainous road, lots of snow, there will be rocks in that snow, there will be yeah. tree logs, there will be all sorts of things so you don't gun it because the <laughs> snow is the carrier source yeah and even though you do have that scraper rocks and grit and things will be underneath so i know that it's only on level surfaces where the snow has fallen flat that they they go like crazy you, you get some of those ones that are almost like a, a mining borer thing they put in front of the train yes as the snow comes in and then oh, um, yes they're very cool fun. but um, i don't know if they can take a tree trunk <laughs> through no. the wood chipper no but also i think those big diesel electrics don't care much for tree trunks <laughs> <laughs> no weirdly enough right what are we doing today um have you got a particular topic for us to discuss 
I don't think we're going to do design project today. I think we'll do something else. Oh, yes. No, the design project. I'm still busy working on my homework, Mr. Sheckman. I've got to install <laughs> the latest version of CAD because the old one, the last expired. <laughs> you know, the usual, the usual story. Yes. Uh, my Citrix doesn't work, so I need an extension, please. Um, <laughs> we, we're getting close to, uh, to May, so students are, are soon going to change their focus to exams. Semester yep. one is sort of coming to a close, yes. and uh, the students in, at, at, at third year level the learning curve is really steep as far as design goes, yeah. but it's 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 more fun. It's what engineers actually end up doing as their day job is this continuous, what the heck is the problem? How can I try yeah. and solve it and then come up with a with a solution? Mm -hmm. um, but there's no point trying to solve something unless you know exactly what it is that needs to be solved. Mm. And uh, we're then gonna move into the project in semester two, yeah. which is the final part of your design education at uh, WITS and yeah. is the final preparation through to fourth year. So what have you got in plan um, for the mechanicals this year. Oh, so for the mechanicals, uh, in, a, in a similar fashion to last year, uh, open-ended, pick a problem and solve it. Oh, they love those. Oh, no, no, they, they, they really do. They, they, they have no issues whatsoever in finding problems. They need no help at all. It's great. I can close all down all forums. Um, the students are going to be undertaking it solo because ah. in, in, in the final year courses, there is the, the fact is that you are doing it so there is group projects but no more than 25 percent of the project can be um, that's right and and lots of students are scared of, of solo things because they don't get to be exposed to it i mean almost not not at all in second year and in third year yeah. and very occasionally for assignments you get to yes. do something which is truly all individual even the lab stuff yes you do an individual thing but mm -hmm. it's it's the same thing that other students are doing so it's mm. not really your own thing and um, the way that you build up confidence as as a design engineer is to do things where nobody else is doing the same thing as you um, mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to do it. That's yeah. the best way to learn how to do design. Okay, so you getting them to fly solo or drive solo? Pretty much drive solo. They warned yeah. about it. They, they should already have seen this coming. It's not something I'm throwing out to them. So they, they should be aware of it. And the idea is then in SEM 1, right, don't let everyone else do every other aspect of the, yes. of the design. Uh, have a bit of a, a taste and flavor of every single one of the different aspects, the different yes. aspects of it. Um, All the jobs in the kitchen. As exactly. Uh, because of time and things like that, we're not, I'm not going to have them do a complex engineering problem. Yeah. quite a little bit more time. The reason for that is, kids, uh, the, the projects in the second semester, we generally budget sort of, what is it, sort of 50, 60, 70 hours tops max. And that's for an average student um, yeah. to do that particular project on top of all the other course mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and that's in preparation for the 400-hour project in, in fourth year. So it's a, a Russian doll. It's the littlest one on the inside, but it's the same type, yeah. of, uh, type of thing. And the, the problem with the complex and the same thing I have with the errors is that there's just uh, there's a lot of time that needs to be invested at the start mm -hmm. and it's it's all good work but then the student doesn't get that far into getting the the, the thing solved which means that you can't actually so the show that the problem is solved in which case how can you judge the exactly solution? you can and show that the the problem has been identified exactly and big tick and, and it needs a solution all that good stuff yes i agree yes. you should definitely solve this but hang on you haven't because you've been stuck on the dynamics of a vehicle going around a roller coaster track, um, and these are these open-ended problems. Are they sort of themed? No theme. Um, I'm looking at. Oh, I'll see what happens at the at the actual time when it comes down to it. What I'm trying to get students to do is tackle things less serious. 
So yes. not, not people drowning or people dying by rockfall or, or people stuck under a car or in an earthquake, something like that. A unicorn <laughs> park. <laughs> unicorn petting zoo. Mind the horns, kid. <laughs> yes, you know, whether it's a case of a animatronic dinosaur park or something of that sort and develop a way of a machine that can be adapted to fit any kind of dinosaur. Okay, so you're looking for, let's say, some form of innovation, but on the kind of, uh, uh, well, we don't want to say fun, but on the... Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the problem that, that a lot of students don't realize is that when you try and design things for actual human beings, your, your list of constraints is absolutely massive. In fact, you're really, really limited in what you can do. Yeah. If, if you design it to help a human. So the drowning case, the um, person in a wheelchair case, you know, the, the standard type, they, they're nice and they are worthwhile problems sure. to solve, but they're, they're, they're actually very constrained. So they're not actually open-ended because in most cases, the solution is totally obvious and the other side to it is while you know it may appear the problem is easy to define because there's lots of record of people being injured or damaged or hurt or killed by by mm. said situation because it's so well documented you've really got to stop and ask the question why has no one done anything about it 100 correct and the likelihood is they have it's either there is a solution that currently works or the solution to which you'd like to go, that autonomous, yeah. remote-controlled robot that with AR can, can help the blind, um, it, it's impractical. Yeah. It, it basically just doesn't work. Um, so the task of going other sort of route, the sort of uh, less dire problems. Yes. And I think problem is maybe the word that kind of catches a lot of students. They mm, think yeah. problems, it must be something that's, that's wrong. Um, it's just something for which there is no solution. I want to do X. I can't because X does not exist. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly difficult to show that X doesn't exist. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and why do you want to do Y in order for, to, to solve X? But if you can do that, it's actually invariably quite a fun topic because it's, it's not serious where you're dealing with this depressing stuff and have to worry about, oh crap, this, this design's now killed these people and, and this one, no, I didn't rescue the person in time. Um, this one, I can't call enough of a gap so only 20% of the people under the, the collapsed building can actually be rescued. Yeah. Um, this is just a, a case of, right, cool, now, now we can move houses all on our own um, or move furniture all on our own without having to worry about having a moving team to come and, and lift your giant teak bookcase that has been embedded inside your wall yes that may or may not have a drone shaped hole through it <laughs> we'll That's get there we'll get there with the book. we'll get there so um I, I had an interesting uh we'll get to my one now but i just yeah. thought um i ended up sort of almost throwing in a new a new word um mm. basically from the medical sense so yesterday with the with the third years i ran two problems the one was one where i drew a little picture and it's based on a student who's maybe trying to work on a project of yours in semester one but had a chat with me outside okay. the door that keeps banging above our head here <laughs> and it was um you know the problem is um water buckets and people needing to carry water long distances. Ah, mm -hmm. Okay. So I drew the little picture of a human next to a tap and then two thousand meters to dwelling. And yep. I said, there is the problem in visual thing. And I said to the class, the whiteboard is yours, go mad. Ah. And what's interesting is um the, you know they did come up with one of the buzzwords which appeared in many places was was distance. Ah. I did have somebody come up with the problem there is the actual amount of water that one household may use 
and the, ah. let's say the, 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 they used the word pain, but they used the word in terms of um, discomfort. Discomfort, and I thought that's actually quite good because that's an energy and a pain threshold thing. And there, the problem is that a human is actually not a very strong animal. No, really, no, we're, we're, we're not. We're, we're, not we're, we're, we're not really built for carrying. And and also our, our hands. You know, what's the maximum amount you could carry yeah. empty buckets to bring full buckets back? And the the symptom of that problem is if you get carried away with a person carrying the buckets, you get distracted from what the problem is. Yes. And I then thought, okay, so the word symptom, that's quite nice because you get distracted because the first thing you do is let's make a bucket bigger, but then let's put wheels <laughs> under it so that you're still applying 15 kilos upwards. And now all of a sudden you have something which is iterated downwards from a wheelbarrow to bucket with wheels, but you then forget about the terrain. So one kid did have terrain, one kid did have you know, mud, rocks, etc. Mm -hmm. And there it's a case of, okay, so now just by that, by using a whole class of 34 kids or maybe 17 or 18 participated, all of those things together, you needed to cross out the irrelevant bits. Uh -huh. But it was definitely a case of the pain is due to not distance, but the time. Yes. You can carry a very heavy thing for a very short duration. Yeah. But time is what causes you pain. Time is what... It's the work energy thing, mm -hmm. which is actually the problem. Cool. The next one I did was I then just use words, and it's one which I discussed with you already. Mm. It's the um, vehicle accidents at night. Okay. So now there wasn't a picture and there wasn't a symptom, and they unpacked it. And the funny thing is they came up with all sorts of things, except weather. Hmm. They considered the night and day. They considered uh, substances. They considered maintenance. Huh? of the vehicle and of the road, uh -huh. they considered infrastructure. It was, uh, it was amazing um, with that, but not weather. And it shows you that, you know, if, and this is obviously a short duration exercise, yes. but I thought the symptom, the symptom with the water carrier was, was the kind of the, the giveaway. So I kind of like that idea. Um, with the third year arrows, we're doing the same sort of thing, but with a few new twists. Ooh, um, yeah. So students are, are effectively going to have to produce, um, it's, it's not really a complex problem. It's similar to you, it's an open-ended thing. Mm. But obviously with the errors, they try and come up with a problem which is, uh, let's say, best solved by using something that can fly okay. in the looser sense of the mm. word because they are error engineers. So <laughs> it needs to be, let's call it cooked a little bit to make it that yeah. it is a flying type thing. But you have to justify that it is best solved by flying because it's a time or a speed thing yeah. or something yeah. where you just can't do it or um, a terrain based thing you just can't go over you just can't get there so yeah. um yeah you, you, you know the, the the best cheapest let's say way yeah. to do it is is mm -hmm. with that um and then it, it'll be the the students are doing something similar to the fourth year uh, type proposals um and then instead of just doing the, the allocation i'll actually do it exactly like the fourth years where they'll actually get the full pack and then they'll basically choose so um I'll run it a bit like the, the fourth year one to get them trained up for that. And mm. then we do the thing where they sort of, you know, have to do the overall type system and then a couple of uh, integrated subsystems and then some component mm. type stuff on the detail side. So a miniature fourth year project, um, nice. which is not as, uh, as complex. Yeah. Um, and then is there some sort of check for them that, they, that the problem that they end up doing is correct or? Yeah, so there are two levels to the, the marking. The first one is um, just like as it as has been, um, each student that comes up with a problem ends up being the quasi-supervisor yeah. of it and they're going to be given guidance and a mark sheet and those sorts of things where they've got a series of questions which they have to sort of ask. To, and one of the things which, which is going to be asked is, you know, has a student as part of the problem proposing a solution in it? Yeah. Um, so is it... Uh, 
a, a biplane to do X. It's like, yes, yeah. <laughs> who says it's an aeroplane for starters? Yeah. Uh, one of those. Uh, yeah. so, so things like the, the symptoms and then making sure that um, the problem isn't something which is, uh, is, is not actually um, analyzed yet okay. um, to, work out, uh, to work out how to go forward. Okay. And then, I mean, so a broadly defined, complex, well-defined problem? Um, broadly defined. Broadly defined. Okay. Yeah. Now that, I mean, it helps. There's actually, in, in some fundamental ways, very little varying between a well-defined, a, a broadly defined and a complex engineering problem. Yep. Um, invariably, they tend to be smaller in scope, and there's just some extra things that kind of just focus it down a little bit more. I, I think sometimes, particularly with the aero ones, and even the, the let's call it the advanced transit, less so with like something, you know, um, an energy solution for yes, a yeah. household or whatever, because there your constraints are quite easy to get. Yes. But for like a transportation type thing, what you end up with, I think, is that sometimes you end up with uh, either a well-defined or a broadly defined starting problem. Yes. And then when you get to like the next levels of, okay, now we've got to integrate propulsion and this and a new kind of, uh -huh. rail system or road system or something else now all of a sudden now there's it, it, it becomes complex at that level because mm -hmm. now oof, there's there's all these things that have to be integrated but then what is the order and that is the definition of complex because there mm -hmm. it's a case of um the thing is quite abstract and there yeah. are a whole lot of bits missing to define what is required and then often the integrated solution there is a non-obvious thing Very um, much so, yeah. whereas the starting thing is Ugh, we've got to take 120 sheep per day through the <laughs> Scottish things and not um, not have to stop to um, re-rail our train. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, ac according to EXA, the you know we we talk about um, for complex engineering problems, the problem requires identification. We've gone through obviously all of this um, quite a bit of detail in previous episodes. Requires identification. Or it is high level, including multiple sub-problems, or is unfamiliar or involve infrequently encountered issues. While broadly defined, the problems are ill-posed and or over-specified and require some identification and interpretation. So it's almost the same in, in certain ways. Mm. The problems encompass systems within complex engineering problems, as you've already mentioned. Yep. Um, so if you sort of you've come up with something you realize okay that's a complex engineering problem it's you know we talk about the sub problems thereof yes one of them is invariably a broadly defined problem um and then the problems belong to families of problems that are solved in well accepted and innovative and sustainable ways so it's almost looking at alternatives to current solutions yes um in, in something in that particular way but anyway so okay cool so yeah, if you're interested or you're looking forward to that, hopefully everyone is looking forward to that. Well, you don't really have a choice. <laughs> well, it is why, hopefully. It is a triple helping of asparagus flavored ice cream with broccoli sauce. How did you know what was coming up next? <laughs> All right, but if you've got any suggestions as to how you think the project should be done, we can ignore them quite happily at toastingdesign at gmail.com. Otherwise, thanks very much for listening, or do actually give us suggestions. But otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.